Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Jonathan Shuttlesworth at Revival Today Church, where we will be having all-night prayer on Friday night. And I'm hoping that you'll join us. Don't put the graphic on because it dates the program. Uh, So that's tomorrow. Hope you're with us. Hope you're coming in from all over the country. It's going to be great. This has been Taking Your Place at the Top, The 50 Secrets of Uncommon Achievers, Part 6. And I want to get right to it so this thing doesn't turn into an encyclopedia because it's been a week and a half and we're on on, uh, number 25. Or we got through number 25. So let's pick up with number 26, taking your place at the top, the 50 secrets of uncommon achievers. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the women and children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters. Yeah, I guess. I mean, whatever failures you've made as a leader, at least everyone didn't get their family kidnapped because of you. So they're not happy. And they don't know that they're not dead yet. And they began talk of stoning David. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Does that, can anybody write on the screen what that says in the King James? Is it David encouraged himself in the Lord? This says David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring me the ephod. So Abiathar brought it. Then David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of raiders? Will I catch them? And the Lord told him, Yes, go after them. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. So, number 26. Like David, uncommon achievers can navigate forward while in crisis. Their life doesn't come to a grinding halt when they're going through a bad time. They find a way, and I want you to write those three words down, to pursue, overtake, and recover all. I've noticed the opposite trend with people where when they hit a hard time, they just go missing. I'm going to be taking a break from social media for a few months. I'm just, I just need to, need to what? Were your wives and children kidnapped? You can't go missing every time you're going through a rough spot. Pursue, overtake, and recover all. Uncommon achievers navigate forward while in crisis. Uncommon achievers, you don't even know that they're in a crisis. They don't have to post it everywhere. They don't ask for prayer publicly. You know, have people that if you need prayer, get it privately from somebody that's going to pray. I promise you, if you post it on Facebook... All the people that put praying hand emojis and say praying, that's all the praying they did was write praying and enter. Uncommon achievers navigate forward while in crisis. Thanks, Alonzo. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's what it said. So he went through a hard time. He found a way to encourage himself in the Lord. He drew closer to the presence of God. 
not further away like a lot of people do when they're going through a rough time. Sorry, I haven't been in church the last, the last three months. We've been going through a difficult time. David actually called for the priest and then got in the presence of God, and that's where he got his strength to go forward. Number 27, John 11, 1 to 7. John 11, 1 to 7. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick. So the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So his buddy is sick. Now Jesus is ministering to all these strangers. His, his own friend is sick. Bible scholars tell us where Lazarus was was one day's journey from where Jesus was. So he could have got there the same day he got the news, and they're saying, he's sick, it's looking like he's going to die. And he waited two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples objected. Rabbi, they said only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again for the sake of time? Verse 11, then Jesus said, our friend, La oh, sorry. I'm not going to skip that part. Jesus replied, there's 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light of this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go wake him up again. I'm going to keep reading. Number 12. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They weren't the brightest bunch before they got baptized in the Holy Spirit. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sakes I'm glad I wasn't there. For now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Verse 17, when Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. So when Jesus heard he was sick and about to die, it was a day's journey. Jesus waited two days. Then he obviously didn't make a beeline because he'd already been in the tomb four days by the time he got there, and it was a day's journey. Many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Number 27, uncommon achievers don't allow others' crises to determine their actions. I don't know, maybe it's crises. I'm going to go with crises. I don't like crises. Number 27, uncommon achievers don't allow others' crises. I'll go, all right, I'll get it. To determine their actions. Jesus, your friend is dying. Let's go. No, I don't wait four days. I wait till I feel like going. So he stayed. You remember Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. I only say what I see the Father say. And nobody could, could pull him out of that. 
Somebody's problem doesn't have to be your emergency. Everybody wants your time. Everybody's thing is important to them. Oh, no, Rick. I have ice coffee. It's right here. I would never be able to teach if I let people's problems dictate what I said. I could announce any, any topic about business. So, can you pray? Um, my grandfather's going in for a knee replacement today. No, I can't. I'm teaching on this. You know, every time people just pull you off track, they want to do their thing. But uncommon achievers don't allow other people's crises to determine their actions. And there's no greater example of that. Hey, Pastor Corey at River Church in Cincinnati. Love you, man. There's no greater example of that than Jesus with Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend. I mean, imagine you're a, you walk on water. You're, you're the son of God. You're a miracle worker. And your buddy and your cousins and family members and people you know, someone they love that you're supposed to love is sick and dying. They want you there. Jesus wasn't preaching. He was chilling. There's no record in John 11 that Jesus is doing any ministry. So you can't be a slave to what people think you should do. You know, they, they expect you there. Well, then their expectations are going to be disappointed. I, I, know, I know your mother's going to be upset if you're not at that party. Yep, well, reminder, I'm in my mid-50s. Hopefully she won't ground me. There's people, there's people that are still controlled. <laughs> I'm trying not to think of particular people, but it's too late. I know people in their, men in their 50s, their mother still controls their life. But then forget family and all that. Especially when you pastor. Everybody's thing is important to them. But as, as Peter said, we can't run a feeding program. We're to be given to, to the ministry of the word and to prayer. So it's not that you go out of your way to be a jerk. But you have to do what's best. And how other people feel about it, that's their problem. I mean, the, when he got, that's about one of the only places you're going to read where Jesus got somewhere and the people weren't fawning over him. They, you know, you can tell the sister's upset. First, first words aren't welcome. Glad you could come to the funeral. You know, if you were here, none of this would have happened. Number 27. Uncommon achievers don't allow others' crises to determine their actions. I sleep with my phone on do not disturb. I take it off do not disturb when I'm ready to start my day. If I have things I'm going to do in the morning, I leave it on do not disturb. I'm not letting somebody's panicked phone call dictate my course of actions. Number 28, John 2, 23 to 25. Glad to have you with us today, wherever you're watching from. John 2, 23 to 25. Because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. 24, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Let me see how it renders it. In the New King James. John 2, 23 to 25. 
Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs, which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. One old translation that I, I think it was the first version of the New Living Translation, it said Jesus knew what people were really like. Number 28, uncommon achievers are immune to the opinions of others, good or bad. The Bible doesn't say they were insulting Jesus, and he said, well, I know what people are like, so I don't care. No, they, were, they believed him. They thought he was great. And he said, yeah, you guys are going to want me dead. You're going to want a murderer released in my place in, in less than three and a half years. So you're not moved by compliments, and you're not moved by insults. They should both mean the same to you, which is not much. Proverbs 23, 9. Speak not, do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the wisdom of your words. Uncommon achievers are immune to the opinions of others. It's not what men say about you that matters in life. It's what you believe about yourself that matters in life. I'm sure people think I'm half out of my mind when somebody writes some type of critique in the comments or online and I write, uh, you know, they say, how could you, how could you fly in a private jet when people are starving? And I write, um, I paid for it with your mother's money or your mother paid for it or I always work their mother into it. But that's, what did Proverbs 23, 9 say? Don't answer a fool. I want you to write this down underneath that point. Never Take time to explain yourself to someone who's committed to misunderstanding you. Never take time to explain yourself to someone committed to misunderstanding you. If somebody wants to be taught, I'll teach them for 90 minutes on, on whatever the thing is I know that they want to know about. But if somebody wants to argue or make accusations... You know, there's a difference between somebody coming up to you and saying, can you explain the, the doctrine of miracles to me? I've never been taught that. To someone coming up to you and saying, I don't believe in miracles. Okay, don't believe in it. Your mother believes in it. If you don't bury... Whatever part of you reacts to people's opinions, you, you'll, be, you'll end up on a lot of medication for your mind and your body. All it'll take the devil, send one person in your comment section, and you'll be, you'll be out of it for three days. Um, I was preaching in Montreal, which is not really the most receptive city to the prosperity message. And um, back then I... <laughs> <laughs> I see you, Pastor Mike. Back then, I didn't even really believe in prosperity, but I was telling a testimony. When I was in that meeting, somebody in Montreal worked at a suit warehouse and took me to the warehouse of, like, nice Italian suits and said, pick out, pick out any three. So I was telling that testimony, and I was saying how much the suits are worth. Well, somebody rips me to shreds in the comments. That was when we just started to go on... Um, 
Facebook. I think that was when Facebook first started letting you put videos up. This was years back. You're a false prophet. You're a wolf in sheep's clothing. All you did was talk about how nice your suits are for 15 minutes. So I get ready to respond to him. And I felt as clear in my spirit as I've ever felt the Lord speak to me. If, if this guy doing this can, can take up 45 minutes of your time, I'll keep you small for your own sake. Because when you get bigger, there's going to be bigger people taking shots at you, not some anonymous Facebook person. And now think of it. This is what the Lord spoke to me. You haven't spoken to Adalus in the last 45 minutes. Adalus said something. Like, Hold on a second. Because this person, I need to think of a clever response to defend myself. So it pulls you away from your wife for 45 minutes. You haven't spent time with Camila for 45 minutes. So what are you going to do if there's 100 comments? Just go in a room and go to war with people on Facebook? Then I felt the Lord speak to me. Check how many followers he has. He had one follower. His profile picture was a wolf with green eyes. So who cares? You heard the old saying that Pastor Rodney says all the time. Opinions are like armpits. Everyone has, has them, and some of them stink. It just doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. Like our example in John chapter 2, it doesn't, um, it doesn't matter the positive either. It's nice to hear refreshing things. But I had a lady tell me one time, you're the best evangelist I've ever heard. I said, which other ones have you heard in, in church? Oh, you're the, you're the first one I've heard. Well, that's great. It's nice to be the valedictorian of summer school. It's nice to be the valedictorian of your homeschooled class that you're the only student. So don't let compliments inflate your ego. And don't let... Um, Don't let insults put you in the fetal position for three days. I mean, imagine. It's not even... Let's say you read a negative comment about yourself that somebody posted about your business or your, I don't like your attitude or he's arrogant, and it bothers you. Well, you're, you're, you're going to be short with your wife. She notices. Is there something wrong? No, there's nothing wrong. Quit asking me. And, and it's actually affecting actual things that matter. Some idiot, why would you give a stranger that kind of space in your life? <laughs> Thanks, John. So you just, you figure somebody's trying to ruin your day. Now, this isn't scriptural, but my, my thing is, and I'm not saying you have to follow this part, but if you want to ruin my day, I'll, I will ruin yours. So that guy wrote, you're a wolf in sheep's clothing. I said, if anything, because he was upset about how much my suits were worth. I said, no, if anything, I'm a wolf in fine Italian silks. If you want to be mad, get madder. Yeah, but what, you, what Yvonne said is true. Don't waste your energy on a fool. Just skip it. And I'll tell you this, if you're in the ministry, and I saw we have different pastors on, um, I want you to write this down under this point. You must have a gatekeeping system. And this just went from a point I'm going to breeze through to one that's going to take a little while now. Right down underneath, I must have a gatekeeping system. During COVID, when we kept our ministry open, we received over 400 death threats. I saw none of them. 
Magalasama. Only good news makes its way to me. You know that? I'm not stupid enough to believe everybody likes me, but I'm not reading. I, I, I'm shocked when I'm around certain, when I've been around certain people and their, their staff, someone just sent an email in. It's not good. Take a look. Why? Why does he have to read that? There's very few people, if anybody, that can read bad things about themselves and it not affect them. Maybe nobody. You can't tell me it's not going not gonna to bother you for at least a little bit. And then you can tell, then it, then it starts working its way into your preaching. You now, people say that I'm a, I'm a false prophet because I take jets. Well, no, I'm not, I'm not devoting time in the pulpit to defend myself. You, get into, you, you become this defensive person. I've been criticized all over the world for, for what I do in this ministry. Yeah, take it easy. That's not uplifting anybody. Have a gatekeeping system. If you're, the, if you're the head of a business or you're the head of a ministry, you shouldn't be answering random phone calls. Have a gatekeeping system. People shouldn't be able to get to you whenever they want You don't need to deal with that. Some random person's thoughts, half of them are going to apologize within six months. Hey, I, I, I know you saw uh, the thing that I sent to you. I want you to know I, I, I'm sorry. I've been listening to you more since then, and I realized it was actually my pro So don't, don't, don't even bother. And it's funny with me. I've had people come up. Hey, I know I sent a letter into your ministry. I just want to apologize for the things that I wrote. I'm sure, I'm sure you don't like me. I never saw the letter. So relax. I don't forgive you because there's nothing to forgive you about. I never read it. I have a gatekeeping system. Only testimonies make their way to me. That guy sent a 220-some thousand dollar check. I saw that. They let me know that. They let me know things that lift me up. Have the gatekeepers destroy the bad news. Everything doesn't need reacted to. Somebody was offended at something you said. Who cares? The old saying is, if you don't want to offend anybody, then don't get out of bed in the morning, and then they'll be offended that you never got out of bed. If you live, people are going to be offended, and we've never lived in more of a time like that than now. I'll tell you another thing. Don't, don't apologize much. If somebody... Personally, I'm going to give you a rule. If somebody personally needs apologize to, apologize to them. Don't apologize to a group of people on social media. I know some of my comments in last Sunday's sermon was offensive to this community. Where does this community live? Who's their spokesperson that's allowed to be outraged for an entire group of people? All gay people get offended at the same thing? I don't think so. I follow a gay guy on um, Twitter because he's anti-mask and anti-lockdown, he makes fun of stuff about the gay community all the time. So don't tell me all gay people are the same and, the, and there's some spokesman for some community that the community of fat people, the community of gay people, the community of black people, you have to uh, apologize to everybody. No, if I offended a person, I'll apologize. No, I won't even say that. If I said something out of line about some individual, then I'll, I'll apologize to them. I'm not issuing public apologies on Facebook, to 
some group of people that their whole job and purpose in life is to get offended. I hate, I hate when I see. <laughs> Don't you hate when some comedian said something or whatever and some group's outraged and within 24 hours they issue an apology. It's like, don't apologize. They're going to hate you. When do you ever see them? And then they forgave them, and now they're friends. No, they hate him anyway. Kevin Hart apologized. He still wasn't allowed to host the, the Academy Awards. They're not looking. People aren't looking for resolution. They're looking to kill you. <laughs> they don't like you. Number 20... Seven, uncommon achievers don't allow others' crises to determine their actions. And that's why that all fit under that. You can interject on any of these points whenever you feel like it. Um, that's what I mean by being immune. No, number 28, uncommon achievers are immune to the opinions of others. You're going to lose a lot of productivity trying to put out fires of people's emotions. You know, half the people that are offended are just have low blood sugar because they haven't had a snack in a while, and if they have some ice cream, they're not going to be offended anymore. So don't run all over the place trying to like make sure everybody's cool with you. You're going to waste your life. Number 29, uncommon achievers refuse to have grasshopper complex. Numbers 13, we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and that's what they thought about us. The 10 spies, and I know you know more about this than me, but the 10 spies that were unable, welcome to the broadcast, my, my wife, Mrs. Dallas Shuttlesworth, glad to have you on. Um, the 10 spies didn't, the 10 spies weren't unable to take the promised land because of something they said bad about God. They never said one thing negative about God, the 10 unbelieving spies. They never down-talked God. They never said our God is not mighty enough to bring, give us the land. Everything negative that they said was about themselves. We are like grasshoppers in their sight. They think we're like grasshoppers. You can never go anywhere with grasshopper complex. And you're going to feel that way, and other people will help you feel that way anytime you get to do something. You want to write a book? Oh, that, people have already written books on that. You feel like you want to write a book on being a mother? Oh, you, you think you're like the best mom? You know, I wanted to write a book on marriage, so me and Adalis wrote one. We'd been married 13 years. I'm sure, well, we've been married 13 years. What do you want me to wait till I'm 75? And all my, most of my friends are dead? can't buy the book. You know, people need help in marriage now, and they can have it from the perspective of somebody that's in the zero to, to 15 stage of marriage. So I don't care. I'm sure there's way better books than the one we wrote on marriage. Now, you know what? I'm not sure. In fact, I'll come right out and say it. Our book is hands down the best book that was ever written on marriage. I'm going to put that as a quote on my own book. I'm going to write the foreword to my own book. You know, you're going to write a book on Bible prophecy. You're like a scholar now. All you have is a bachelor's degree. Anything you go to do, people are going to tell you, 
somebody's already done it or somebody's already done it who's better than you. It kept me from writing a book on faith or healing or prosperity for a long time because there's better books than the one I wrote on. T.L. Osborne's book on healing the sick is way better than my book on healing. But you know what? I started to notice people that got impacted by my ministry wanted to know what I believed on healing, not what T.L. Osborne believed. So, so I, I put what I believe on it. Number 29, uncommon achievers refuse to have grasshopper complex. Numbers 13, we were like grasshoppers in their sight, and that's what they thought about us too. Which how, would, how, do you, how were you able to read their mind about what they thought? Am I leaving anything out about grasshopper complex? Yeah, we, we understand years later that that really wasn't the opinion of what the enemy had. They were actually them. afraid of them. They were, their hearts were melting within them, the Bible says. So it was the complete opposite. Wow. So I, you can like really be so in delusion about what is actually happening that it starts to determine the outcome of your life. And so because they saw themselves as grasshoppers and um, not taking that promised land, even though God said they would, what ended up happening was what they feared. What they feared the most ended up coming upon them and their children and the just because of how they saw themselves. And the only punishment they had was what they said. God said, right. I'll, in Numbers 14, 26 to 28, I'll do to them the very things they said in my hearing. We'll die here in this wilderness. They'll, they'll kill us. How you see yourself and what you say about yourself determines where you're headed. And it's interesting to me that they never mentioned God. They never said, oh, God can't help us do this. They said, we, we are but grasshoppers in their sight. So they did disregarded God and his opinion and his word over the situation. And it's what ended up being the greatest demise. And that's what even today people do. They disregard the word. They discredit what God has told them to do. And it's the reason why they keep going around in circles and they're in the same mess and they're frustrated as heck because they won't allow themselves to see what the word of God, uh, you know, says about them. This is a mirror. That's what the Bible says. This is like a mirror. And anybody who reads this thing and walks away and forgets what they look like, I mean, you're, you're crazy. You forget what you look like. This is the whole reason the word of God was written is so that we can glance at a mirror and say, hey, there's certain things on me that need to be removed. I can't walk in insecurity and fulfill the call of God on my life. And that's really what it is. It's like not feeling as though you have what it takes to get the job done. When it's not by might and it's not by power, it's by God's spirit. It's always been by God's spirit. And if you rest in that, if you rest knowing that it's his spirit that's going to lead, everything is ridiculously easy. It's why we're here now. And I, I want to close that point out saying, and I know it, sound, it will sound sacrilegious to religious people, but your life will not be determined by what God said about you. And your life won't be determined by what people say about you. Your life will be determined by what you believe about yourself. God told them they could have the land, but they would not believe that they were able to do what God said, and so they did not. Mark 11, 
23. Look at this. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe, New King James, switching guns. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. I want you to write that down. Who believes that what the things that he says will be done. Brother Hagin called that having faith in your faith. And the, relig the religious world flipped out. We don't have faith in our faith. We have faith in God. Yes, we do. Verse 22 is have faith in God, but you, if you don't have faith that your prayers work and your words work and your life works mm. and your steps work and your steps are ordered of the Lord, then it doesn't matter. Because part of faith is not just believing in God and his word, it's believing in, in the things. If he believes, Jesus said, not Brother Hagin, Jesus said, he must believe that the things that he says will come to pass. Yeah, yeah. Andrew Romack says, faith is voice activated. So you do have to release something out of your mouth. And you have to, and you have to believe that what you say will come, what you said will come to pass. That's right. Well, you know, we prayed it, but ultimately it's up to God. no. I, I declared it, it is done. Like that. You don't hear Christians do that. Mm. But Jesus said that's actually part of the recipe of mountain moving faith. Faith doesn't work. If, well, I, you know, I prayed it and I said it, but ultimately it's up. No. Believes that those things that he said will come to pass. Uncommon achievers do not allow themselves to have grasshopper complex. Who am I? I'm just one person in a big world, amen? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man who, with God's hand on his life, anointed to accomplish a task that all things that pertain to life and godliness have been get, delivered to me. Number 30, Daniel 6, 4. Well, we're doing better than yesterday covering, covering ground. Where are you, Daniel? Daniel 6, 4. You have it? Yeah. Go ahead and read it. I have it in the Amplified. That's fine. No problem. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find occasion to bring accusation against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no occasion or fault, for he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Number 30, uncommon achievers follow laws and have ethics. Number 30, uncommon achievers. I'll flip it around. Have ethics and follow the law. Before they made a law that you couldn't pray, the Bible says in Daniel 6, 4, they sought to find any area where he had bro broken the law. When you have success... 
and your will. They're going to they're gonna go after your finances. They're going to go after, you know, we hired a lawyer to go against the attorney general of this state to have our Easter service during COVID. Well, the only avenue that they have to mess with us as a, as a religious organization is um, unemployment, uh, paying into unemployment. So what do you know, for the first time since I started this ministry, after we stood against wickedness, our unemployment is being audited. Well, we have it all ready to go. But if I had skimped on that, I'm not paying that. I mean, what's the chances? Have we ever been audited on that before? They're not going to check. Just skip it. We can use that money for other things. Well, now, now I got me a problem. So you need to set your life up, and I want you to hear me. You're going to be around most people that are always telling you how to cut corners and that no one enforces that, and you don't have to do that. No one checks on that. Yeah, that's true. If you're a small person, no one cares. No one's going to come after your income taxes when you make 42000 a year because even if you mess something up, what are they going to get out of it? The government's going to get an extra $800. They don't care. But when you're making $42 million a year, and if they find something wrong, some, they're going to get a million-dollar payday, $2.5 million payday. Or if you're in the ministry and what you're doing is unsettling wicked powers and they want you gone. And now it's not even about the money. Now it's about taking you out. You know, in Pakistan, they kill you. In America, they just ruin your life. Seize your bank accounts, put you in federal prison. That's what they want to do. So you make sure, you actually think to yourself, if I was the devil, how would I come after me? And then you put a buffer in every one of those areas. That's why I travel with two guys with me on the road. I have two witnesses that I was never at a, a, a place I'm being accused of being, that I never did a thing I'm being accused of doing. That person would have no witnesses. So you can't, what's a way you could take me down? All it takes is one lady accusing me that I was inappropriate with her. And it wouldn't matter my side of the story. Oh. He always did kind of seem like he was like, wild he had that chain i could see that but what's my only recourse it's not to say no it wasn't like, no anytime you're someone no it wasn't like she's saying well you're already finished because you're saying well you are with the person mm. but if i can say number one not only did that not happen i've never been with that woman anywhere me and her for that to happen i have witnesses not only is what she's saying wrong I'm going to countersue her for $100 million for defamation of character. I'm going to sue the lumberjack who cut the tree down that made the paper for the thing that she filed. I'm going to take everybody down because it's a lie. Now, you say, well, I think Jonathan might be telling the truth. Oh, she, she withdrew her, her, her uh, lawsuit. See? So you don't, you don't get surprised. If you're going to be successful, people are going to come after you. So put buffers up. I have people with me in the office everywhere I go. Everything's on camera.
Number 30, uncommon achievers have personal ethics and follow the law. Obviously, you don't follow laws that are illegal. <laughs> you know, there are illegal laws, like the, the ones they tried to pass during COVID. You don't follow laws that make you deny your faith. Remember, Adolf Hitler didn't do one thing that was illegal. He passed his own laws. So when they told Daniel he couldn't pray, he didn't follow that law. But before they, they had to pass special laws to take him down. Because when it came to everything else, he played it by the book. I had friends, when they, when they were invited to preach in another country, they would tell the border patrol person, I'm visiting a family member. They would hide their product in their clothes, in their suitcase, so they wouldn't have to declare it and pay. Well, you can do that when you're a little minister. But if you're, a, a if you're on television and you've advertised a crusade at the Air Canada Center and the Border Patrol have seen your billboards and the advertising for your big crusade and they say, what's your purpose in Canada? I'm going to visit a, a friend of mine. No, you're not. You're Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I've seen your advertisements. You're coming here to preach. Step out of the car, police. So God will actually keep you small for your own good because some people, if they operate the way they operate now on a big scale, they'll go to jail. That's good. The only reason they're not in jail now is they're too small for anyone to care. So God, God for their own safety, will keep them small so they don't go to jail and have their life ruined. Write this down. You don't grow big and then manage well. You manage well to grow big. I've told Patrick that runs our finances, run everything in this ministry like you know there's someone that's been assigned by the FBI to come in here and snoop around and look at our finances. I don't want anything in a gray area. I don't want anything like, well, I think you might be able to do that. It's kind of a, then don't do it. Put everything on the up and up. Put everything documented. There's some ministers that the offering comes in, they come in and just grab a, set, a, a, a fistful of cash and take their guests out to lunch. You can't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> There's order too. Because even when Jesus did the multiplication of the fish and the bread to, to, to feed the multitude, he said, break them up into groups of 100. Right. So nothing's wasted. So nothing's wasted. So like... But even before that, there was order. So a lot of people are just expecting for God to just release the blessing because, you know, this and that, and we're just going on. But if there's no plan of action, if there's no order, then the blessing, it inhibits the blessing. Right. And not having order will, will like my wife said, inhibit the blessing. But not following laws and ethics will put you in prison. Right. So th this is even separate from that. I mean, I know for you and I, we saw the blessing the moment we filed for 501c3, things skyrocketed. Because we were just doing it just uh, like a personal thing. Yeah, God, like God doesn't want the government business. to get 30% of what comes into the ministry if right. there's a way if to do it. If there's ways of doing to, it. To protect it. Correct. And every time we did something else, we started a different bank account. We did this. We did something that was by the books. There was like an insane blessing that was tagged along with it. Excellent. Number 30, uncommon achievers have personal ethics and follow the law. 
If I'm going to another country, I don't tell them I'm going to teach. I tell them I'm coming to preach. If they don't want preachers there, then, then, then I'll take that as my sign to go home. I'm not lying and sneaking around. If God wants me there, he can open the door and send me there. I'm not forcing anything. That's good. I, we actually tell them that we're educators because we are educating them about the Bible. Whatever. I'm not doing that. Right. I don't need to leave home. Here, I, got, I don't believe in the vaccine, but I got double vaccinated because I want to travel and preach. First of all, I don't believe you because you shut your church down at the drop of a hat. So why did preaching become so important to you live all of a sudden? You, know, you notice that? All the preachers that said they got vaccinated so they could travel and preach. Why were you willing to preach only on Zoom for two years? Right. So you did it. You did it because you just do whatever's easiest and you do what you're and, told. And why haven't you preached since you've gotten the vaccination? <laughs> yeah, it, that too. So I don't do that. Well, I, you know, I'll get vaccinated so I can preach. No, you need to lure me out of my house. That's how I see Elijah. I don't see Elijah running around. You had to, there has to be something. I've built something here. If the Lord wants me to go somewhere, he can make a way for it. Right. Bishop David Oyedepo was supposed to preach in another country. I think it was Japan. And they, make it, they made it hard on him getting in. So they, they called him and said, you need to do this, this, and this. And he said, I'm not doing anything, and hung the phone up. And then they just sent him the visa. If the Lord's in it, I'm not jumping through hoops to go preach in Australia. I don't care. If you want me, make a way for me to be there. I'm talking to the government. I don't, I don't need you. I have a thing here. I'm not getting something injected into my body to go preach in a country. No, thank you. See, that's called ethics and standards. If you don't have those, then the ends can always justify the means. You can always find a way in your mind about, well, you know, this isn't ideal, but it's worth it because at the end we're going to do this. Uncommon achievers have personal ethics and they follow the law. As long as the law doesn't contradict the Bible, like Daniel. Number 31, Mark 10 28 to 32. I'll have my lovely assistant read that. Mark 10, 28 to 32. Any translation? Sure. I mean, not the NIV or the Passion translation. Mark 10, 28? To, to 32, yep. Peter started to say to him, Behold, we have yielded up and abandoned everything once and for all and joined you as your disciples, siding with your party. And accompanied you walking the same road that you walk. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who's given up and left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospels, who will not receive a hundred times as much now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. We'll receive land and property 100 fold with persecution. Number 31, uncommon achievers accept the life of a rich man and the persecution that comes with it. If you are willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Many are obedient, but they're not willing. They're willing to obey what God said in the Bible, but they're not willing to put up with the persecution that comes from God blessing you. 
When God blesses you, people will hate you for it. Ask Joseph what happens when your dad gives you a coat of many colors. Your own brothers make a plan to kill you. So you either come to grips with that or you're going you're, you're gonna to live a conflicted life and subconsciously you're going to stay at a smaller level so that people don't have a problem with you. Jesus told you you'll receive a hundredfold property, lands, houses with persecution, hundredfold persecution. That's good. Jesse Duplantis has a beautiful aircraft. Has he taken heat for it? A lot of heat. Kenneth Copeland, a lot of heat. You name it. Let's go through the list. Joel Osteen. What has Joel Osteen done? He hasn't taken a salary from his church since the early 2000s. Hasn't taken any salary. And they still, what do they talk about? He lives in a large house. Yeah, I'm sorry that's difficult for you to comprehend how somebody that's written 13 New York Times bestsellers right. lives in a large house. Where did you think he's going to live, stupid? Right. He's not a reporter for some crappy local news station, so he lives in a nicer house than you. Get over it. That's right. Mary on, in the comments said, Joel is so nice. That, what does that show you? It doesn't matter how nice you are. So just, just understand I used to think when I first got into the ministry, I'm going to, now me, I'm going to be a certain way where they won't be able to say anything about me because I do everything right. Then you realize that doesn't exist. Did Jesus get crucified because he really didn't, you know, he really should have learned a thing or two about how to treat people and could have said things a little better? No. What does Jesus show you? You can do everything right and people want to kill you. So if you come to grips with that, you won't limit your own success because of the persecution you receive from that success, which people do subconsciously. I had a friend in the ministry that bought a Cadillac Escalade when he was close to 50 years old and then sold it and never bought another one because he said, the look on the pastor's faces when I would pull up, I just, I didn't see how some guy that pastors a small country church, you know, if he saw me pull up in that, it just isn't right. No, actually, it would show him what's possible with God. It should inspire him. I didn't see Jesse Duplantis' Falcon, uh, uh, what do you have? Or what does he have? Falcon 900? And say, wow, how can he fly that while I'm just driving a rig? No, it inspires me. If somebody wants to resent your blessing, they're the one with the problem. That's right. Who sees an, another person? I don't even care if they're Christians or not. I'm happy to see people do well. Whether they're in my, my faith or not. I'm glad people aren't struggling. I don't want anybody to struggle. I don't like if anybody struggles. I don't care what religion they're in. I don't like people to go hungry or have pressure. And I like, regardless of what religion people are, I'm glad people's families are doing well. I don't wish ill on people because you're in a let alone one of my own brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ. Somebody has a, a, a real problem if, if they resent somebody's blessing. Adonis and I were talking with a wealthy person earlier in the week, and they said one of their family members said to them, um, what is it? Why do you have so much money? Like, what kind of thing is that? Their own family, why do you have so much money? Upset. I didn't know you had a lot of money. Oh, that's what it was. I didn't know you had that much money. Yeah. Well, well, now you know. And knowing is half the battle. 
Your family's cool with you as long as you stay at, you don't go higher than one level, uh, a level higher than somebody in the family. As soon as you become the top achiever, they turn against you. Mark that down. So know that ahead of time and be, Jesus told you, you're going to receive a hundredfold return and a hundredfold persecution. So just deal with it. And if you try to hide your blessing, it'll work out worse. You know the saying, the cover-up's always worse than the crime? You can't expose anything about me. What do you think I put? Let me ask you a question real quick. I post, I post a picture of a private jet unless I forget any time I ride on one. Do you think I do that to brag? Do you think I do it to show off? If I do it to brag or show off, why have you never seen one picture of any places I've stayed on vacation? Do you know why I show the planes we fly on? There's not one person connected to my ministry where they could do an expose that I fly on jets and it'll be news to you. Oh yeah, we know. We're actually happy about it. He shows us the outside and inside usually. I don't, I don't keep this Rolex at home and wear it when the cameras are off and then wear some cheap watch. because that No, because then it can get exposed. They can take a picture of me on profits and watches that in my own time, you can't expose anything that I've already exposed. So I don't hide anything. I sleep like a baby at night. Pastor Tyler said, when I saw you flying your team to Dr. Rodney's for camp meeting, it put a fire in me that I should be able to do that. That's how intelligent people, that's how I always felt. I saw people do things, and unintelligent people resent it. How can he drive that? Well, I can barely, I can barely afford to take the bus. Okay, you want him to sell your car, his car? How's that going to help you afford to take the bus? Right. You economic genius. How do you fly in first class while there's people that are starving to death? Please explain to me the economic correlation between first class seat purchases and starvation. Right. You jackass. You baboon's ass. Sorry. A little strong, but you, you get the point. Number 31, uncommon achievers accept the life of a rich man and the persecution that comes with it. You don't have to be a, a, a jerk about it, but don't hide it. You never, you know, I'll post a picture of a plane anytime I fly. You don't see any paragraph. As most of you are writing, it inspires you. I write it to inspire people, and I write it so I'm not hiding anything. I want my partners to know how I travel. If you, don't, if you think I should have to drive through the night to get from Cincinnati back to Pittsburgh to be here for Sunday morning and get here an hour before church not having slept in my same clothes, then go, go uh, partner with another ministry. That's not how I operate. So I'm being clear with you what my operation is, but I also, you don't see any paragraphs under the plane. I don't understand why all preachers don't fly in planes. They need to get faith for planes. No, 
you know, you know, you don't use what, what you have to condemn people. You use it to inspire people. Number 31, uncommon achievers accept the life of a rich man and the persecution that comes with it. You'll have family members that don't like that you're rich. You'll have Christians that don't like that you're rich. The media sure won't like that you're rich. Remember, as long as you're a child-molesting billionaire who's in the flow of the Antichrist spirit, okay. like our old friend Jeffrey Epstein, there's no problems. But if you're doing righteous things, then you can have a fraction of that money. I've always said I'll never go on the me any kind of media interviews. I will definitely, if, if they want me on, and I'll tell you, I'll, I'll dictate the whole course of the thing. How are you able to justify having this, this, and this in this economy when there's hungry children? Couldn't you have fed more children if you didn't? You say you feed 1,500 children a day. If you didn't use planes, wouldn't you be able to feed 5,000 children a day? Great question. Now let's get to how Jeffrey Epstein owned a private island to molest children, and your news network hasn't reported one detail of it. Why is that? I want to know why there's only a standard for righteous people and there's no standard for wicked people. I'm glad I'm rich. I'm glad I'm blessed. And I'm not ashamed of it. And if somebody else has a problem with it, I wish them all the best. It, in no way, I'm not going to live at a lower standard to accommodate. Because you want to know the truth about it? The people that don't like Jesse Duplantis having a plane would be upset if he had a bicycle. Yeah. The truth is, they wish he was dead. They're upset that he's a preacher. They don't like that the gospel's going out. Mm. He couldn't have less. He couldn't have low enough to make those people happy because it's a demon. That's right. <laughs> Number 32. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Genesis 12. 1 to 3. And you can do 4 too. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you with the abundant increase of favors, and make your name famous and distinguished, and you will be a blessing, dispensing good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness upon you and curse him who curses or uses insolent language towards you in you will all the families and kindred of the earth be blessed and by you they will bless themselves verse four so abram departed as the lord had directed him you can stop there so abram departed as the lord directed him god told him to move told him what he'd do for him in one to three and the next statement is, and Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Number 32, uncommon achievers move quickly. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. If you wait, you'll miss it. You'll make more mistakes being careful than you will moving quickly, believe it or not. You'll make more mistakes moving slow than you will moving fast. Make your mistakes moving fast, make them moving forward. Don't make your mistakes missing 
the thing God had for you to do because you drag your feet. Every time God spoke to Abraham to do something, you'll always read, in that same day, Abraham departed, and that same day, Abraham circumcised all the male servants of his home. Anytime God gave him an instruction, it was carried out the same day. The only exception is when God spoke to him to sacrifice Isaac, it says early the next morning. So one time, he waited one day. How long have you waited on things God's told you to do? I met evangelist Dag Haywood Mills. I said, if you had it to do over again, author of this book, The Mega Church. I said, knowing what you know now, if you were my age, what would you do differently? He said, I wouldn't do anything differently, but I'll tell you what my secret's been. I've always moved quickly. If a door opens, I bust through it. When the door started opening for us to do outdoor crusades, it looked like it was going to bankrupt us. But I thought, you know what? I'd rather go bankrupt now and realize I don't actually have the ability to do all I thought I did than sit on a porch one day when I'm 75 and think, I wonder how life would have turned out if I really went for it. I mean, really went for it. And guess what? I really went for it. And I never went bankrupt. <laughs> Came within about $18,000 of it, but never went bankrupt. Nope. Almost hit bottom, but never hit bottom. And then straight up from there. Move fast. Run hard. Don't hang around sabbatical people. Mm. I need a sabbatical. No, you need to work. Come on now. You need to get moving. Let's go. It doesn't work anyway. The average pastor retires within uh, six months of when they come back off their sabbatical because they're addressing the wrong problem. That's another story for another time. That's good. You don't need a rest. You need to work, especially when you're 20 to 30, especially when you're 30 to 60. Those are your production years. Lester Summerall said a man's life can be broken up into three segments. Zero to 30, your learning years. 30 to 60, your production years. 60 to 90, your duplication or replication years. So what does that mean? Zero to 30, you learn. God puts people in your life. You're Not that you ever stop learning, but that's the main thrust of your life at that point. Just like you're you, you don't stop learning in the next phase, just like you're, it's not that you're not producing anything in zero to 30. God will have you around people to learn from. You go to Bible school, you go to business school. Zero to 30 are your learning years. 30 to 60 are production years. That's what I'm in right now. It's time to produce. It's not time to take vacations uh, once a month. Some people on Instagram, you see them, they're on vacation once a month, and they're 30 to 60. You're making a mistake. And then if you do your production years right, then 60 to 90, I probably won't do as many crusades and stuff. But a, a lot of stuff will start opening up for me to preach at Bible schools. Because of what I did from 30 to 60, it creates a platform where people want to know how you did what you did. And then you replicate yourself in a younger generation, 30 to 60. Not that you can't produce in that phase either. But it adds to it where now people are going to start coming to you and want to sit under you. Number 32, uncommon achievers move quickly. Genesis 12, 1 to 4. Want to hear an interesting story? 
This building was given to us, but not at first. The owner, the previous owner, gave us the, the deed and said, you can get working on it, but we were supposed to pay. And he told me in the parking lot after check the news one night, he was waiting for me. He said, I just want you to know the reason I gave you this building was because of how quickly I saw you move on it. I told you you could start working on it, and the next day, Abel was in here with the team building it out. He said, if you hadn't done that, I would have never given you the building. When I saw how quickly you moved, it made me want to give it to you. Most people, if they were given a building, as great a testimony as it is, the whole thing would still be empty. They'd be raising the money. We need your help. We're, we're, we're projecting that we'll have services in September. Things aren't what people think they are. Explain. Like you would think that with a successful person, you would need to, you know, kind of make it out so that they know that you're like a charity and that you're in need and that you're in desperation. I feel like that's the mindset of like churchgoers and people in the ministry where they feel like they have to kind of like portray themselves or as my cousin would say, betray themselves as <laughs> like, like poor and in need and in lack and, and, and so that they can kind of like tug on your emotions so that you can reach out and help them and, and you know, woe is me type of a mentality. But th it's not how that works. Like success and production attracts success and production. And for, for the ministry and like the, the mindset of Christians, I think, it's, it's quite the opposite. Like the poor, like if you, if you present the need and you present the lack and the stress and, and how bad you have it, then somehow that's going to invoke like somebody to sow to you and believe in what you're doing and try to help you. And it just doesn't work that way. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. It's like that story Mike Murdoch tells that another older preacher told him, if you buy a Cadillac, nobody will give in your offerings because he was thinking of buying one. And he bought it anyway, and he said, that's when people started to give me larger offerings because you look like somebody that can handle a $10,000 check. Mm. If you're in need, and anybody that's in the ministry, this is going to go against what everybody taught you, but I'm, just remember that I'm right, and I've proved my theory. If, you're, if, you, if you appeal to people that you're in need, which, first of all, is not scriptural. Paul said, not that I was ever in need. People will give you what they give to needy people. But if you, if you appeal from the standpoint of production and success, people invest. People don't give you trinkets to help your needs. Okay. They make investments in what That's you're doing. Good. That's it. And that takes you from the beggar mindset of just enough, you know, that Christian, that, that like way of thinking to production, overwhelming production and things in the future where I, I feel like Christians can't even think about things in the future and like have a 10 year goal as to like buying property, acquiring this land to do this and X, Y. So that, that kind of mindset leads you into productivity, not just for the maintenance of the now. Let's go read Colossians 3.23 because it's going to bleed right into the next point. Colossians 3.23. I'm going to stay on longer with you guys today because I feel like it. 
Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily from the soul as something done for the Lord and not for men. Number 33, uncommon achievers are excellent. And that's what we're talking about. They tell you to be needy. That produces people wanting to help you. It doesn't. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Excellence attracts blank. Excellence attracts? Excellence. Excellence. I'm going to tell you right you know, there's guys that have large ministries as far as the amount of people that come that they're broke because no one's going to give a $250,000 check to a guy that looks like he just did three lines of Coke at a Dave and Buster's bathroom. <laughs> The ushers at some people's church that, that I, I've, I've attended as an attender, not, not a preacher. I thought, I'm not handing this guy a $10,000 check. Look at him. Yeah. I don't know. He'll run off. Looks like he just got dishonorably discharged from a methadone clinic. Yeah, that's true. Nothing's excellent. Excellence produces excellence. Excellence attracts excellence. You should look excellent. The Bible says everything you put your hand to should be done as if it was done unto the Lord. That's where you get, you know, poor people used to dress to the nines for church. Forget church. Look at old photos of baseball games from the 1920s. All the men had suits and ties. It was depression times. Everybody had a suit and tie on. Look at the men in bread lines during the Great Depression. They looked better than business executives today. And there's this like unexcellent spirit that's on people, and it's bullcrap. Well, you need to dress differently if you're going to reach a younger generation. How does Ryan Seacrest dress when he was hosting uh, American Idol, which the target demographic was 18 to 35? Suit and tie. Nice suit and tie. He didn't have a Jerome Bettis jersey on and some ripped jeans. He had on a, he had on a designer suit and tie. How about the number one television program in Christian television? What is it and what does the man wear? Joel Osteen, suit and tie. So all the cat being casual to reach people, you have some questions to ask yourself because it's not done anywhere except in, in basically charismatic church that you dress like a bum to reach people. It's bull crap. Whatever you, so that's where Sunday best came from. It came that Sunday, I'm going to wear my best possible outfit because I'm, I'm meeting with the Lord at his house. That's all gone now. But you should make sure it's not gone from you. There should be, there should be an excellent standard in your dress, in your home, with your vehicle. It's not your car that makes you poor. It's your care for your car that makes you poor. It's not your clothes that make you poor. It's the care you have for your clothes that make you poor. Anybody that's ever participated in a bus ministry for a Sunday school, which I have, how come the poor kids stink? Soap, soap's not an economic issue. Shampoo's not an e economic issue. It's, a, it's an unexcellence that's, that's in that comes with poverty. I was at a church one time, they said, how many of you are unemployed and believing for a job? Lift your hands. You didn't need them to lift their hands. They, it's like the enemy attacked them and they started dressing like they're attacked. 
got on a, a, a hooded sweatshirt that looks like they keep it in their glove compartment. That has nothing to do with money. That's right. That has to do with, a, well, nothing's working out. No, be excellent in your posture, in your clothes, in everything that pertains to you. It should be done as if it's done under the Lord. Amen. My grandfather, when he pastored, would have the church lawn cut Saturday night. So it was fresh for Sunday morning. One time the guy cut it Friday instead. And he, I was in the office when I was 14 and the guy got reamed out. I said, what part of Saturday evening did you not understand? My grandfather took his shoes. It's funny, I just found the place near here that does shoe repair and shoe care. I'm going to start doing the same thing. Would take his shoes in so they were freshly shined and done for Sunday. Going to pastor a little assemblies of God church that didn't stay little for long. He didn't dress down to the church. He pulled them up to where he was going. Don't dress for where you are. Dress for where you're going. Genesis 41, 14 says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. I always thought that Pharaoh or the people that were in charge of him made Joseph shave, change clothes, and shower. But Joseph knew that if he looked like a prisoner, he'd stay in prison. That's right. So I just thought, thought that was... Uh, it's the mindset. People treat you how you look. So you can, you can rail against it all. It's not, not fair that people do that. Well, it isn't fair. But that's life. Right. God said man judges by the outward appearance. Facts. So you can let it work against you or you that's can it. let it work for that's you. That's it. I've been pulled over by the police before. I was glad I didn't have on a backwards Yankees hat. Right. Or a chain. Good point. Be excellent. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do it as unto the Lord. Number 34. Uncommon achievers embrace their unique skill set and talent stack. Stack of talents you have. Uncommon achievers embrace their unique skill set and uncommon talent stack. Uncommon achievers embrace their unique skill set. What's a synonym for uncommon? Their unique skill set. What's a synonym for uncommon and unique? Because I don't want to use uncommon twice. Uncommon achievers embrace their unique skill set and. See who gets it first, the Dallas or you guys? Unusual, rare. Rare, rare talent stack. Rare is good. What do I mean by that? David had talents that don't go together. He was an accomplished musician and songwriter. He was a great fighter. Like, have you ever watched an MMA fight, a UFC fight, and it finished? And when they interviewed him in the, in the, in the center of the ring, he said, now that I've knocked this guy out, let me just do something real quick, and took out a harp and started to sing? No, they don't go together. So there are things that you'd think you have to pick one or pick the other. I'm going to be a musician. I, you know, part of me thinks I want to be a musician. Part of me thinks I want to be a fighter. But he, he, he actually combined them into one person. Don't pick between your talents. Embrace them and learn how to make them work together. Like David did. And then don't, don't let people... That's the whole story with David and Saul's armor. 
Okay, listen. Put away the stone, the, 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 the slingshot, and take my sword and shield and armor. No, that's not how I do things. Anybody ever heard of Jimmy Swaggart? Nobody played the piano and sang and then preached. You picked one or the other. You're either a musician or you're a preacher. And the way most people think, I'm a musician now, but I want the door to open where I can start preaching. But what did Jimmy Swaggart do? He embraced his unique talent stack. And he'd sit down at the piano before he'd preach and tell stories about his life and sing. And by the time he was ready to preach, everybody was crying from the music and they loved the anointing on the music. And they loved that guy. Americans love music. So now he had them. Embrace your unique... It's me. I like making people laugh. I like to insult people. And I preach. I found a way to, <laughs> to put them all together. That's what Check the News ended up doing. There was this side of me that you had to know me to know. But then I found a way to create a platform where all the things I do, I can do. And you might not like it, but there's nobody like me. There's nobody like David. There's nobody like Jimmy Swagger. There's nobody like you. So religion will tell you to take the slingshot and exchange it for Saul's armor or to get rid of part of the thing. Nobody wants to hear a preacher sing for 25 minutes before they preach. Embrace your unique talent stack. That kind of humor doesn't belong in the pulpit. Well, agree to disagree. Otherwise, you're, just a, you're, you're a very easily replaceable person. Your church blends in. Your business blends in. But when you embrace your unique way, talent stack, you're... You, you're the thing God made you, unique. There's not another one of you. He was like Rodney Howard Brown. There's, no, there's nobody close. It's not, like, it's not like if he retired, you could just get another Rodney Howard Brown. Oh, he's kind of like, there's nobody kind of like him. There's nobody like you, but if you're not careful, you're going to let religion or your business training turn you into somebody that they can replace anytime they want. And you've got to find the platform that allows you to use all those things. Jeff Ross is a comedian. He was, a, he was not a top-level comic. Not, he wasn't bad at all. And if, if this gets back to him, this is not an insult, it's a compliment. But what did he find? His main thing is not stand-up comedy. His main thing is roasting people. And once he found that, he's the best. Artie Lang was not a top-level comic. When he became second chair on the Howard Stern Show, which I don't um, recommend you listening to, but I'm making a point, that was where he, sh he shined. It was radio. So you got to find the platform that allows your unique talent stack to come out. You know, some people suck at preaching, but they have a great podcast. Some people have a sucky podcast, but they're great at preaching. So there's different forums for what you do that'll draw out the best of you. Number 34, uncommon achievers embrace their unique skill set and their rare talent stack. What's two or three things that you're excellent at? How can you group those together? <clears throat> Be 
and that, that'll bring the creativity out of you. There was nothing like Check the News that existed before we made it. There, there was no reference point. That was a, a grouping. That was a, a, a way I found to best get that out. So, so what's the way you can do the thing you do? Otherwise, you're just copying other people. Number 35. John 9, 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. The night is coming when no one can work. One more time, a little slower. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. For night comes when no man can work. Number 35, uncommon achievers run hard. Look at what Jesus did in three and a half years. I would say the majority of people plan their lives as if we still had Old Testament lifespans. I hear people in their 60s say, say stuff like, you know, I was thinking about doing this. Well, you might want to quit thinking and start doing. We don't live till we're 600 anymore. Get moving. Whatever's in your heart, you better get on it. If you're waiting until you're 50, you know, right now I'm still young. No, you're not actually. John 9, 4, night cometh, we must, Jesus said, we must all quickly, in the new living, we must all quickly carry out the tasks. Listen to that. We must all quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the Father. For night comes when no man can work. How are you to carry out your tasks? Quickly. I'm going to tell you from Scripture and from personal experience that lines up with Scripture. The faster you move, in the assignment God gave you, the more you'll see his hand come behind you to help bring it to pass. God, God enjoys people who move quickly. Reinhard Bonnke said, God, does, God runs with the runners. He doesn't sit with the sitters. We're just waiting on God. No, you're not. Move. God does not wait. God's not slow. Get moving and you'll watch God move with you. That's good. You hear people in their 70s. I was thinking about coming out to Pittsburgh and visiting you. Might want to come out. We don't live till we're 600 anymore. What's in your heart to do? Why do you think it's going to be easy, any easier to do in three years than it is right now? Get moving. I don't think I'm old enough. You're the oldest you've ever been. Time to do it. Run hard. Work quick. Stop being careful. The Bible says be careful for nothing. Move hard. Run fast. Number 35. Do it in the King James because the Amplified will take twice as long. Or, or New Living, your pick. 1 Samuel 3. 11 to 14. Good job, Diane. 
Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hear it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knows because his sons made themselves vile and he didn't restrain them. Number, 35, number 36, uncommon achievers confront. Uncommon achievers confront. What you don't confront, you'll never conquer. What you don't resist has a right to remain. What you don't stand against will destroy you. There was a pastor during COVID that decided to open his church. His worship leader didn't agree. She told him, I'm moving back to the state where I'm from, and I'm not coming back until this virus has died down. And then would post every week, sometimes more than once a week, a big two, three paragraph thing on Facebook about how she can't believe her pastor, she's on staff at this church as the full-time worship leader. I can't believe my pastor is keeping his church open. It's a mistake. He doesn't care for the lives of people. He kept her on staff. She ran a bunch of people out of the church. He tried to keep the peace. And then after everything he did to bend over backwards for her, she left anyway. I'm going to judge Eli's house because he won't, I've spoken to him about the sin of his sons and he won't judge it. There's another, another preacher he had his daughter miss special meetings. Because he told the minister, she has, she has a, a disease and it makes her tired. So, the, the evangelist was, was strong. If she has a disease, bring her. It's going to be a he- healing service. So the daughter agrees to come. This is a daughter in her, in her uh, young adult, not, not, a, not a child. So he prays for the disease. The girl gets delivered. The girl asks if she can talk to the preacher after the service. It's actually not the disease that makes me tired. I've been doing drugs. That's why I've been like falling asleep and stuff. And I do drugs with one of the guys in the worship team. The preacher with that daughter is the same preacher that had that worship leader. What's the common thread you notice? No confrontation. I know things are wrong. I'm just going to let it go and hope things work out. If you let a cobra loose in your house, it doesn't work itself out. You either cut the head off the snake or the cobra is going to start killing people in your home. When you let sin in your ministry... I got 31 people that work for us now. If I found out, it came to me, somebody, you know, it's just the receptionist, but she's, she's living with her boyfriend now. She needed a place to stay. She moved in with him. She's gone before lunch. 
and uh, to the receptionist, I love you, and our receptionist is married, and that's not a thing. <laughs> but I'm just, you don't tolerate sin. If, you, if the Lord gives you a heads up that something's wrong, confront it. My grandfather used to say, problems in life are free. You don't have to put them on the payroll. Some people, their biggest problems in their ministry and their business are salaried people that they're paying. That's good. You're paying to have a problem. Mm. <laughs> That's called stupidity. Well, I don't know what I'd do if they're gone. Figure it out. Get rid of them and then figure out what you'll do once they're gone. Uncommon achievers confront. Don't be an Eli whose sons were having sex with women in the temple and eating the offering before it had a chance to get sacrificed to the Lord. And when people confronted him, they'd yell at him. My dad took me to the bathroom and paddled me while he was preaching once. I was in my early 30s. It was very embarrassing, but he refused to let me misbehave in, in, in church. Now that guy, that anonymous man that I use as an example, you think he's the only one like that in the ministry? That Eli thing is a common thing. How do you not know your, your daughter's on drugs? Try to remain sensitive to your family and your spirit. Don't have a word for every stranger and be a freaking bozo when it comes to your own family. That's called, that's called Eli syndrome. That's good. My dad was never like that with us. My mom was never. They got words for us. Mm. There's no way somebody that, that has the Holy Ghost. How do you not know? I would know if I had two people in my church that were sleeping together. I was with a pastor one time, and we were on the platform, and he went, just out of the blue. I think he is sleeping with her. They were in different parts of the thing. They were both married, and it turned out it was true. When you're a shepherd, you know. Just like vets know about animals. Something's wrong with that horse's leg. He's not walking like he normally walks. You, you, you pick up that stuff. So what are you going to do, ignore it? The Lord doesn't show you things so that after they transpire, you go, you know, I, I had a feeling that guy was a child molester. No, if you, if you get an intuition about it from the Lord, deal with it. Right. Don't let everything go. Don't let anything go. Confront. Last one. Then we have prayer, so I, I got to wrap up like now. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 18. Do it in the New Living Translation if you want. Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 18. Be careful to obey all the commands I'm giving you today. Then you will live and multiply, and you will enter and occupy the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna. 
a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. For all these 40 years, your clothes didn't wear out and your feet didn't blister or swell. Think about it. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So obey the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land of flowing streams and pools of water with fountains and springs that gush out into the valleys and hills. It is a land of wheat and barley, of grapevines, fig trees and pomegranates, of oil and honey. It is a land where food is plentiful and nothing is lacking. It is a land where iron is as common as stone and copper is as abundant in the hills. When you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But that is the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you don't forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Do not become proud at the time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions where it was so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and test you for, his, for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember, verse 18, the Lord your God, he is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to you and your ancestors with an oath. Deuteronomy 8.18 in the King James, always remember it is the Lord your God who giveth thee power to create wealth. I want you to write that down in this final point. Power to create wealth. God gives you power to generate wealth. Number 37, uncommon achievers use their mind. Let me rephrase it. Uncommon achievers think about ways to generate money, not ways to save money. That's a big difference. Some of you have mothers that if they'd have taken the time they took to clip coupons every Saturday to think instead how to generate more income, they'd be multi-millionaires. Take four hours to clip coupons and their whole achievement for the... We were able to save $80 at the grocery store. Great. I didn't gas your car up once. Quit using your brain God gave you to think about ways to save 80 bucks or $600 and start thinking of ways to generate millions of dollars. A million dollars is 84,000 a month, 21,000 a week. So whatever you sell or whatever, you start thinking what where, where would this business have to go to get to a million? And you'll get there. Don't think about how to save money. 
I've known people in the ministry that decided to oversee the construction of their church. Lots of people oversee the construction of a building for their ministry to save money so they don't have to hire a general contractor to make sure that uh, they're not getting taken advantage of by the different vendors that are building it because no one's going to watch over a project like I would watch over it. That's true. Then all their invitations dried up because they took 18 months off of preaching. Then they were completely burnt out for three years because God never called them to paint and build and sheetrock. So in their effort to save money, they actually lost a lot of money. Uncommon achievers think of ways to generate revenue, not how to save money. We were able to save money by... Anytime somebody leads with, and that's their thing, they, they're, 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 they're not... Those aren't accomplishments. Saving money is not an accomplishment. I've read many biographies. I've never read one that this guy was great at saving money. No, it's what people produced. It's what people built. God didn't say, I give you power to save money. He said, I gave you power to create money. That's good. It's actually a, a shame to use this thing God gave you. His mind. Your anointed mind to think of ways to, to save money. Instead of how to generate money. And I'm not joking around. Some of us had mothers that if they took the time that they took every Saturday to clip coupons out of the newspaper and instead got a piece of paper and a pen and launched a side project for those four hours. Got somebody else to go to the grocery store and pay full price the, the, and not save $112. Now, let, let, forget millions. Let's say you're awesome at clipping coupons and you were able to save $112 at the grocery store. In the time you clipped the coupons and went to the grocery store and shopped, do you not think that you could have come up with an idea that would have generated more than $112? Of course you could. See, it's a mentality. Economy's got gas up. We need to find a way to cut back on. I saw on CNN they were talking about, since the economy is the way it is, tips on what to do. Number one, drive two to five miles an hour under the speed limit. That'll save gas. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. Number two, cut down on unnecessary trips. What's that going to do in a bad economy? You need to let the Lord take that power he gave you to create wealth and use it. Father, thank you for everybody who watched today. Bless their lives. I pray that these, these things that we've seen from your word would, would inspire us and empower all of us to go to the next level in the thing that you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. Amen. I thank you for it, and we give you praise. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Don't go. I had to go to the bathroom, and then prayer's going to happen. I'm going to give you uh, those two books that I took, I took several of these points out of. Probably 20 of them. Maybe 25 of the 50. Secrets of the Richest Man Who Ever Lived and The Leadership Principles of Jesus by Dr. Leadership Secrets of Jesus, excuse me, by a great author, Dr. Mike Murdoch. I'm going to send both of those to you as a way of saying thank you 
for standing with us. And I want you to ask the Lord what he'd have you to give. We're making a bunch of big moves at the church and with the evangelistic ministry, the veterans ministry that you saw that we're reaching out. If you want to stand with us in that, I send you these books as a way to say thank you. If you give $2,000 or more, I'm going to send you all three Bibles that we send out. The Dake Annotated Reference Bible, and then these two Revival Today Bibles. That's for anybody that gives 2000 or more. And I'm believing for 10 people that will sow a seed of 100000 or more. And we've already had a couple of responses to that. So if God would speak to your heart at that level, we're going to take it and do damage to the kingdom of hell. I can promise you that. Here's the ways to give. Go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. Hashtag Donate on Facebook. You can text RT to 50155. Cash App dollar sign RT Give. Venmo at RT Give. PayPal, RevivalToday.com slash PayPal. If you want to give cryptocurrency, scan this QR code. Amen, Alonzo. Thanks for being with me today. Good crowd. Scan that QR code and you can give cryptocurrency, which is up. And Revival Today, P.O. Box 7, Prosperity, Pennsylvania, 15329. Don't forget to claim your offer at revivaltoday.com. Claim my offer. If you want to talk to a human being, 412-446-2332, plus one, 412-446-2332 if you're international. I love you. Join us for prayer in four and a half minutes. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.